Hi, everybody. Before we get underway with the episode, I would like to welcome my latest Patreon supporter, Eric. Thank you very much for your support, Eric. And for those of you who would like to follow his example, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you too can make either a monthly or a yearly pledge. Any amount from $2 a month on up to $25 a year on up will gain you access to all of the bonus material that I have thus far posted. Just yesterday, I posted two, count them, two bonus episodes related to regular Counter Melody episodes that I posted already this month. The first is a follow-up to the Dan's Picks episode. There were just too many items that ended up on the cutting room floor, and I could not just leave them lying there, neglected and unloved. So I put them together into a wonderful, if I do say so myself, episode that I know that you will all enjoy. The second bonus episode is called Verdi Duets, and it features duets from Traviata, Luisa Miller, Trovatore, Rigoletto, Otello, and Falstaff, sung by wonderful pairs of fantastic singers. Thank you all so much and lots of love. Let's get going with this week's birthday tribute. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Guntlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world out there. Thank you for joining me on that path. And now, this week's episode. Hello, dear friends. On the 23rd of October, that is to say, this coming Sunday, a very important figure in the art of singing celebrates her 101st birthday, albeit posthumously. That is Denise Duval, the French soprano, who will always be remembered for her deep artistic connection with Francis Poulenc, with whom she also shared a rare and special friendship. Leading roles in all three of Poulenc's operas were either created by Duval or were written with her specifically in mind. Voilà deux jours qu'il ne quitte pas l'antichambre. J'ai voulu l'appeler, le caresser. Il refuse qu'on le touche. Un peu plus il me mordrait. Oui, moi, je te jure qu'il m'effraie. Il ne mange plus, il ne bouge plus. Et quand il me regarde... Il me donne la chair de poule. Comment veux-tu que je sache? Il croit peut-être que je t'ai fait du mal. Pauvre bête, je n'ai aucune raison de lui en vouloir. Je ne le comprends que trop bien. 
c'est un chien. Malgré son intelligence, il ne peut pas le deviner. Mais je ne sais pas, mon chéri, comment veux-tu que je sache On n'est plus soi-même. Songe que j'ai déchiré tout le paquet de mes photographies d'un seul coup, sans m'en apercevoir. The example we just heard was from the third of those operas, La Voix Humaine, Poulenc's operatic version of a monodrama by his friend Jean Cocteau. The excerpt we just heard was a portion that was not originally included in the complete recording of the opera, which was made in 1959, very shortly after its premiere. The opera, for those of you who don't know, concerns a woman who has been abandoned by her longtime lover, whom she discovers over the course of a long phone call, is about to marry another woman the very next day. This is a scene from a portion that's often cut from live performances of the opera, in which Elle, the abandoned woman, describes how his dog has disappeared into the bedroom and is not emerging. Evidently, Duval recorded this part with Georges Prêtre, but it was cut, as I said, from the final release. So why should we care about Denise Duval? First of all, because of the Poulenc connection, of course. Second of all, because she represents a very specific style of French singing. Third of all, because she was an enormously versatile artist, as we shall see. And fourth, because she was a great singing actor. In fact, her love of the stage was predicated primarily on her love of acting rather than her love of singing. If one were to describe Denise Duval's relationship with singing, I think we would say it's complicated. For those of us who aren't familiar with this style of singing, it can be a little off-putting. I read someone posting on a board somewhere, or maybe in a YouTube comment, Why does she sing like a little girl? It's just awful. Well, I have a different insight into that. But with the reference to a child, I can refer you to the final work that Poulenc wrote for and dedicated to Denis Duval. That was his short cycle, La Courte Paille, which he wrote for her to sing to her son. She did not premiere this cycle, She only, as far as I know, sang two of the songs for a television program recorded in February 1961. I'm going to play you the second song from the short cycle called Quelle Aventure, in which a child describes an imaginary, fanciful encounter and wondering how ever he or she will convince their mother that this actually took place. Quelle Aventure. Une puce dans sa voiture tirait un petit éléphant En regardant les deux ventures où scintillaient les diamants Mon Dieu, mon Dieu, quelle aventure Qui va me croire aussi longtemps L'éléphantot d'un air absent Suscet à coup de confiture Mais la puce n'en avait cure Elle tirait en souriant Mon Dieu, mon Dieu, que cela dure Je veux me croire dément Soudain l'onde de clôture La puce fondit dans le vent Et je vis le jeune éléphant Se sauver en fondant les murs Mon Dieu 
Lately, I've been beginning the episodes with short excerpts featuring the week's artist. And in that introductory section, I'm also going to include this next performance, a song from the Trois Poèmes de Louise de Villemorin, one of the poets with whom Poulenc had a very close connection. In fact, two of the poems in this cycle were written specifically at his request. We're going to hear the second of the cycle, Au-delà, which, typical for de Villemorin, is a play on words. The opening line is Au-devis, au-delà. Au-devis is brandy, and au-delà means beyond. De Villemorin goes on to describe in what some considered to be quite lurid detail various sexual encounters with partners who she chooses specifically for their ability to bring her pleasure. The erotic text is contrasted with the freshness and almost childlike quality of Duval's soprano. This is a live performance that took place at the Festival de Bordeaux on the 16th of May 1958. It was the first time that Poulenc and Duval performed together in a song recital, a genre they would present with great success across multiple continents between 1958 and until just a week before Poulenc's sudden death in January 1963. is most remembered for her association with Poulenc, but we're going to explore other aspects of her singing and artistry as well. Here, for instance, is one of the very first commercial recordings that she made for French EMI. This was a French language version of The Merry Widow, La Veuve Joyeuse, and we're going to hear just a very brief excerpt of the so-called Merry Widow Waltz, Heure exquise qui nous grise, as it's known in French. As Danilo, we hear the baryton Martin Jacques Janson, with whom Duval would later perform in numerous productions of Peleas et Mélisande. Oh, 
Chagall was born October 23, 1921, in Paris. Her father was a military man, and she spent a good deal of her childhood at various of his military posts in Indochina, Senegal, and China. The family eventually settled in Bordeaux, and when a teacher at the conservatory overheard her singing a Jeanette MacDonald number, he suggested that she pursue study of voice. At the age of 20, she made her debut at the Opéra in Bordeaux, singing the role of Lola in Mascagni's Cavalleria Rusticana. Strange though that may seem, given what one knows of Duval's voice. Eventually, she began singing more appropriate roles in French opera, Marguerite in Faust, Salome in Herodiade, Michaela in Carmen, and the title role of Thais. In 1945, she was invited to audition at the Paris Opéra, but the audition was not successful. However, through a series of circumstances, she ended up instead with a contract at the Folie Bergère. Unlike some of her colleagues there, she performed completely clothed, every night singing both Un Beldi and a vocal arrangement of a Chopin waltz. Eventually, she did end up singing at both the Opéra and the Opéra Comique. In 1947, Poulenc had already completed the composition of his first opera, Les Mamelles de Tiresias, to a text by Guillaume Apollinaire, another of the poets with whom Poulenc felt a very close association. All roles were cast except for the central role of Thérèse, the lead soprano. Poulenc was in despair over finding the right person for the part. The producer suggested that he attend a rehearsal of Tosca, in which Duval was singing the title role. Now, I will just say that According to many of the stories that I've read, it was Madame Butterfly, which was another one of her early successes. Strange for us, perhaps, to think of a voice of this timbre performing such roles as Butterfly and Tosca. But this was very much the way that these roles were cast back in the day. There have always been great French dramatic sopranos from Germaine Lubin to Régine Crespin, with many others in between, and even a few since. But Poulenc's reaction upon hearing Duval sing was that this was exactly the soprano that he needed for his new opera. I'll let you be the judge. Here's a portion of a live performance from a number of years later, October 1953, of Duval in the title role of Les Mamelles de Thérésias. This was a live performance from the Théâtre du Champs-Élysées and André Clutin is conducting. Ah, chère liberté, te voilà enfin conquise. Mais d'abord, achetons un journal. Mais d'abord, achetons un journal. Pour savoir, pour savoir, pour savoir, pour savoir ce qui vient de se passer.
peut-être mieux s'en aller. At the end of the episode, we will explore further Duval's Poulenc creations. But for now, let's also consider that in those early days of her career, she sang a great deal of new work, including operas by Prokofiev, Menotti, Renaldo Ann, and even Luigi Dalla Piccola. Unfortunately, we don't have recorded examples. At least I was unable to find any. Maybe there are some in the vast archives of Radio France. I don't know. But one of Duval's first recordings was of an absolutely charming piece by one of the shadowier members of Les Six, Louis Duré. This is an extended song accompanied by a chamber orchestra of wind instruments. The song is called Le Printemps au fond de la mer, Springtime at the Bottom of the Sea. The text is by Jean Cocteau, who of course later provided the text as well for La Voix Humaine and Duval's final Poulenc creation, La Dame de Monte Carlo. This recording is from 1953, and the French conductor Georges Tipine conducts the wind ensemble of the Concert du Conservatoire. This was part of an album featuring music by all six composers of Les Six. <laughs> earliest recordings is the soprano solo in Florent Schmidt's Psalm 47. There is an exquisite central section set for solo violin, soprano, orchestra, and chorus. 
which begins with the words, Il a choisi dans son héritage. This is a recording in which Georges Tsipin once again conducts, and we're going to hear just a brief example of Duval singing repertoire that often is cast with a more refulgent voice. But as you hear, she is an incredibly solid singer, for the most part, technically, although there are a couple little weird parts in her voice. But she sings with beautiful line and marvelous legato, as well as great attention to the words, all things that are so important to me, as you all know. So here is an excerpt from that 1952 recording. you know that there are big coloratura demands made on Thérèse, and Duval was equal to all of these. And I found a rare example of her singing in a French opera. I mentioned some of her roles that she sang, and many of these are for big lyric voices. We're going to hear two examples from Camille Saint-Saëns' Opéra Comique Frinet, a 1960 radio recording in which Duval sings the title role. This was originally written for Sybil Sanderson, who was also the original Thais and was a celebrated interpreter of Manon and other Massenet roles. Duval shared with Sybil Sanderson a great physical élan and what the French sometimes refer to as la plastique du rôle, the ability to embody these glamorous roles, so many of them like both Frinet and Thaïs courtesans. What we do remark in these two examples from Frinet is, first of all, that Duval has enormous reserves of coloratura. We're going to hear that in a scene that closes the first act, Riez, l'éclat joyeux des rires. Jules Grossier is the conductor. Oh, 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 oh,
sing Si le front couronné de Lierre, in which you hear her marvelous legato command, clarity of diction, and also you get a chance to briefly hear the French tenor Michel Amel in the role of Nicias. I think it would be appropriate to, to do a little bit of a vocal profile here of Duval. The voice is slightly acidic. It's not of great size or beauty, but there is a Frenchness, an élan, a poise, a sophistication, an incredible elegance to everything that she does. And I submit to you that this is what Poulenc responded to, as well as her ability as an actor, as well as a light touch and a sense of fun that emerges even in her most serious parts, of which Frinet is definitely not one. composers Duré, Schmitt, Saint-Saëns are somewhat secondary figures, albeit important in the history of French music. But let's have a couple samples of Duval singing the music of both Debussy and Ravel. First, from that live concert in Bordeaux with Poulenc, we hear the first of Debussy's prose lyrique de rêve. Thank you. 
now from one of Duval's most piquant impersonations, the role of Concepcion in Ravel's saucy L'Heure Espagnole, we hear Concepcion's exasperated little arioso, Oh, la pitoyable aventure. This poor woman has been looking for a little sexual diversion while her husband is away from his clock shop and ain't nothing happened, and she's getting rather exasperated. This is followed by a short exchange with the hunky but rather dull muleteer named Ramiro, with whom Concepcion has been trying fruitlessly up until now to get him up into her bedroom. Duval recorded this role for EMI under the baton of André Clitant, but I'm going to play for you instead a performance that originated in the studios of Radio France in 1957. Because, in doing so, I get to play for you the Ramiro of the great Robert Massard, whom we sampled a few weeks ago, and about whom I got many very enthusiastic comments. The conductor here is Manuel Rosenthal, and the performance took place as part of a Ravel festival on the 26th of December, 1957. Après 
Voilà, et maintenant, Seigneurra, je suis prêt à remettre en votre chambre l'autre loge, si bon vous semble, voire même les deux ensemble. Ce sera comme vous voudrez. Quelle sérénité, quelle aisance il possède, et comme il jongle avec les poids, il les soulève. Les enlèves. Seigneurra, faites votre choix. Et toujours le sourire aux lèvres. Vraiment, cet homme a des biceps qui dépassent tous mes concepts. Avec lui, pas de propos mièvre. Dans ma chambre, monsieur, il vous plaît, remontez. Mais laquelle y dois-je porter de ces horloges I mentioned that Duval had sung the role of Mélisande, and in the summers of 1962 and 1963, she brought that impersonation to Glyndebourne, where she sang the role in a new production directed by Karl Ebert. A number of years ago, there was an official release of a recording from the summer of 1963 of those performances. The Italian conductor Vittorio Gui leads the London Philharmonic Orchestra, and Duval's Peleas over the course of those two summers was the Dutch baritone Hans Wilbrink, who lived from 1933 to 2003 and was for 35 years a member of the ensemble in Munich of the Bayerische Staatsoper. On this occasion, he sounds very much like a tenor to me. I'm going to play for you the very end of Act 4, the scene in the park in which Peleas and Melisande meet for one last time and they are supposed surprised by Peleas's half-brother, Melisande's husband, Golot, who strikes his brother down with a sword and chases after his pregnant wife. We're going to begin with the moment in which Duval's Melisande realizes that there is someone spying on them from behind a tree. This is one of the most thrillingly dramatic performances of this scene that I've ever heard. Il est possible de 
After that absolutely hair-raising performance, I think we need to change gears a little bit. I'm going to offer you a number of performances of Duval singing operetta. We already heard her performance with Jacques Janson of Merry Widow in French translation. I have excerpts from two more Viennese operettas translated into French, after which we're going to hear the somewhat less familiar genre of French operetta in which Duval made frequent appearances on radio and on recordings. Let's start off with a 1959 recording of Princesse Chardash, which is Die Chardash Princessen by Emmerich Kalman. This is the duet known in French as Te Souviens-tu, and Duval's partner here is the French operetta tenor Jean Pomarez. The recording's from 1959, and I think that Duval's voice is heard here at its most exquisitely beautiful. Note especially the beautiful timbre of her low register. Here's an example of Duval in duet with one of my very favorite 
French tenors, Alain Vanzo, whom I have featured numerous times on the podcast already. This is from the French language version of Lehar's Das Land des Lächelns, known as Le Pays du Sourire. This recording's from 1957, and it is, in French, Qui dans nos cœurs a fait fleurir l'amour. hear three examples from French operetta. No Offenbach today because there's one recording of Duval singing Les Brigands that is not in my collection and there is evidently a recording made for Radio France of La Pericole that is not available to the general public. But no worries because I have three lesser known composers that I'm very excited to present to you. The first is Robert Planquette, who lived from 1848 to 1903. Certainly his most famous operetta is Les Cloches de Coronville, The Chimes of Normandy, as it's known in English, which was first produced in 1877. I have an example for you from a different operetta of Planquette called Paille d'Avoine. This is the opening song of the heroine Bluette, Hola, this recording is also from Radio France, and the orchestra is conducted by Marcel Carivan, who also conducts the next two excerpts. <laughs> Oh, 
next operetta we're going to hear an excerpt from is composed by André Messager, who lived from 1853 to 1929. I featured him before on the podcast in my episodes on Peleas et Mélisande because he conducted the world premiere of Peleas as well as the world premiere of Charpentier's Louise. He also was a very successful composer of operettas, opera comique, and comédie musicale, of which this late work, La Petite Fonctionnaire of 1921, is an example. La Petite Fonctionnaire means the little civil servant, and it concerns a new postmistress who has been appointed to serve in a small French village. She ends up meeting again a former flame, and what begins as a formal discussion turns into an unexpected expression of long-suppressed love and then a plea not to mention it again because it's only a dream and it can't possibly achieve fruition in reality. But of course, this is an operetta. We know that it all comes out all right in the end. Denise Duval and the marvelous French tenor Jean Giraudot, who also performed with her in the recording and the live 1953 performances of Les Mamelles de Thérésias, are heard together in this radio recording from November 1955. Que pensez-vous Mais je veux connaître sur l'heure la cause de ce gros chagrin. C'est un secret, je vais le taire. Ne m'obligez pas à rougir. Tout cela cache un mystère que je voudrais approfondir. Tâchez de deviner vous-même. Oh, ce serait trop insensé. M'aimeriez-vous? Quoi, vous m'aimez Oui, je vous aime. Je vous l'ai dit, allez-vous-en. Mais non, car ma peine est extrême. Et me voilà triste à présent. N'en parlons plus. N'en parlons plus. C'était Achève juste au moment de commencer. N'en parlons plus, c'était un rêve, c'était un espoir insensible. Est-il possible qu'il s'achève juste au moment de commencer? Vous m'auriez. Vous m'auriez enseigné l'amour Et je n'aurais plus fait de gaffe Je venais à votre secours 
going to hear from the composer, librettist, actor, singer, stage director, and intendant Hervé, who was a rival and friend of Offenbach. His birth name is Louis-Auguste Florimont Ranger, and he lived from 1825 to 1892. I mentioned the friendly competition with Offenbach, and in fact, some of his themes precede Offenbach's more celebrated versions. For instance, this operetta, Le Retour d'Ulysse, The Return of Ulysses, which premiered in 1862, two years before Offenbach's La Belle Hélène. Both of them are concerned with themes of Greek mythology and or antiquity, and both take a ribald and light comic tone for themes that often receive a more heavy-handed interpretation. This is the opening aria of Penelope. Penelope. She sings a song called Je suis Lucrèce, in which she compares herself to other tragic figures like Lucretia, and then attempts to give herself advice as a very pretty woman who must always be on the lookout for those who are seeking to take advantage of her. This is a Live 1956 Radio France performance. Oh, <laughs> 
to return to the music of Francis Poulenc, for which Duval rightfully will be best remembered. In their recitals together, Duval and Poulenc would often perform extended scenes from the operas in which she had created roles. For instance, in that Festival de Bordeaux performance, they performed the opening scene of Les Mamelles de Thérésias, in which Poulenc portrayed the role of the husband. Here is a portion of that very, very amusing and vocally challenging scene. Vocally challenging, at least, for Duval. Poulenc manages to grunt out his lines in a very amusing way. Thank you. 
Duval did not have a very long career. After Poulenc's death in 1963, she rather lost her footing and lost as well her desire to continue singing and performing. Her last performances were in Buenos Aires at the Teatro Colón, when in 1965 she once again portrayed the role of Blanche de la Force in Les Dialogues de Carmelite. This is the scene in which Blanche, having fled the convent, has returned to the family home, where she has now been reduced to performing the functions of a servant. She is visited by Mother Marie, who is given an exceptionally strong performance by the French Falcon, Suzanne Sarroca, whom we've heard a couple times on the podcast already. Poulenc commented specifically on Duval's dramatic ability as revealed in her performance of Blanche, and one certainly hears that here. Jean Fournet is the conductor. Thank you. 
after those performances took place. Duval returned home and, from what I understand, had a cortisone shot that was improperly administered. She suffered gravely as a result and took a great deal of time off from singing. And when she had eventually recovered, she discovered that her desire to return to performing was simply gone. And therefore, the live performance that we just heard an excerpt from was, in effect, her retirement at the age of 43 from singing. But I do have three further Poulenc excerpts that I'd really like to play for you. I consider Duval's greatest achievement to be the unnamed heroine in La Voix Humaine. Duval and Poulenc, as well as Duval's voice teacher and coach Janine Reis have all described the role that Duval played in the composition of this opera. Poulenc would write a few pages and present it to Duval and Reis at her voice lessons, and they would work on the music together. Sometimes Poulenc would comment, that phrase sounds a little pinched, and Duval would respond, well, that's because it's too high, and he would rewrite the phrase for her. According to Duval herself, both she and Poulenc Poulenc were suffering greatly from romantic trauma at the time that Voix was being written, and that this piece was, in a way, their way of finding comfort in that suffering. Shortly after the 1959 premiere at the Opéra Comique, the opera was recorded with Georges Poitre leading the orchestra. But I'm going to play you not an example from that, but from an extraordinary live performance that took place at the Salle Gavaux in Paris on the 14th of May, 1959. In that concert, Poulenc and Duval both spoke about the three roles that she had created for him, and she sang an extended excerpt from Voix Humaine, which consisted of three separate moments from the opera that were seamlessly joined together. The central portion is the one in which the heroine describes her suicide attempt, and the final section is the one in which the heroine tells the lover who has just dropped her that others will never understand the kind of connection that binds them still together. Dans de l'eau chaude, 
n'avait pas le courage de mourir seule. In 1961, Poulenc composed his last piece, which was dedicated to Duval. This is a brief eight-minute monodrama set to a text by Jean Cocteau called La Dame de Monte Carlo. It is a depiction of a woman of a certain age who has just lost everything she had at the gambling tables in Monte Carlo and is going to go drown herself in the ocean. I've featured Mehdi Mesplay singing this part, and it's a wonderful, wonderful performance. But I recently got my hands on a copy of the world premiere performance with Denise Duval and Georges Prêtre that took place on the 5th of December 1961. And I have to say, Denise Duval is really in her element here. The role is so vividly acted and portrayed, and 
and I'm featuring more or less the second half of the piece.
After Duval retired from singing, she returned one last time to performance of Poulenc. That was in a 1970 film of La Voix Humaine, which uses as its soundtrack Duval's definitive 1959 recording. This is available on YouTube, and if you haven't seen it, it is hair-raising. The elegance, the desperation, the connection to text, the ability to shape those soaring vocal lines that occasionally enter in, such as we just heard in the extended excerpt. All of that finds a visual counterpart in her filmed performance. Just as she more than once expressed disdain for singing, so Denise Duval expressed impatience and almost disgust with those retired divas who surrounded themselves with commemorations of their previous successes. When she retired to Switzerland, she didn't even have a piano in her home, merely one photograph of her and Poulenc together. Denise Duval died in Bex, Switzerland, on the 25th of January, 2016. In 1998, she gave a masterclass on the interpretation of La Voix Humaine, in which she stated, I'm proud that my name will always be connected with Poulenc's. Let's end with the closing apostrophe from Les Mamelles de Tiresias, Il faut s'aimer, we have to love each other. We hear Denise Duval and Jean Giraudot and André Clutin conducting the forces of the Opéra Comique. Dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Puntlach.